Hey, welcome everybody to podcast number 41, presented by Five Pin Universe. The usuals are here with me. I'm your host, Kerry Kreitz. The Wiseman twins, Dexter and Tim, Adam Weber, and our special guest this week, the Autumn Open champion for 2019, Brian Hurst. Thanks for joining hey us, guys, Brian. How you doing? Yeah. Um, welcome. So, I guess the first topic I kind of want to bring up with you is how has um, your outlook for bowling changed since winning Autumn Open? Uh, since it's, um, well, since the win back in October, it's been, it's been great. I've, uh, you know, like, it's a feeling that's indescribable, as I'm sure uh, you, carry uh, Tim, Adam, Dex, uh, you all know what it's like to win the Autumn Open. You know that, like, uh, just getting through the the entire Sunday is the hardest grind you could ever do. Um, my bowling, otherwise, it's I felt a lot looser. I feel like a great weight has been lifted off. I feel I'm a lot more relaxed on the lanes. You know, it's it's a huge confidence booster in the end, right? Um, but yeah, like I, I can still look back and not even believe it's even happened because I never thought I could do something of that magnitude. It was uh, it was awesome watching you win. Uh, I know in the last like number of years, you've struggled a little bit with confidence. There was just those those few times where you were like right on the cusp of making something and then, and then something happened or you just missed the cut by a little or something like that. And I know it weighed on you quite a bit. So this was, uh, this was awesome. This is really super yeah. cool. And hopefully that sticks with you forever. You know? Well, yeah, no, thanks. Um, uh, I, I think it certainly will. I mean, yeah, it's one tournament, but it's certainly a big tournament, right? Um, uh, I can't, uh, it, like, express all the, the kind words that have come my way from bowlers all across the country that I've met over the years. Uh, you know, like, all of our bowlers that we compete against, they all want to see you do well, right? And like you said, it, it's been a few years since I've hit a, uh, a goal this big. And, uh, yeah, no, just uh, the warm welcome has been amazing. Hmm. I, I guess it's a sense of the belonging, isn't it? That's what I felt when I when I won Calgary on a Wednesday. But uh, it, it is a sense of a belonging, I think, right? And uh, you belong there. You played absolutely incredible on Sunday. Yeah. I, I was saying I had the opportunity to watch all of you guys. I mean, it was my pleasure to do that, and and uh, <laughs> it was really good. I mean, you, you, every time you had an opportunity, you needed to throw a double or throw that strike in 10, you did, right? And um, it wasn't just for one game. It was all 15 games, right? So you have to be proud of that yeah. moment because you, you deserved it. Certainly. Yeah. Thanks, Tim. Yeah, you're right. There, there's nothing like that, that winning feeling, especially that first win. Uh, but it, uh, I guess that after that first one, it, it's so much fun watching first-time winners, right? It, it, you can definitely tell that there is that weight that is physically lifted off of them. Um, yeah, that the sense of belonging, I think, is the the perfect you know statement there, Tim. It's um, especially on the tour nowadays. It, it's so tough to to make a cut, let alone go to win one of these things. And uh, yeah, just uh, that sense of belonging with uh, the remaining guys on tour is fun. But yeah, while watching your reaction, you know, after the, the win, 
uh, you know, the other players like Lonnie, you know, hadn't won for a long time. And, you know, just, just seeing winning reactions now, it, it, it's fun even when you don't, you know, physically win a tournament. Yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely something cool to see uh, coming down the line for sure. Um, you were just locked in all day. And you can see it from a mile away. As yeah, a guy trying to chase you, I was like, I was watching. Yeah, you were definitely, you were definitely locked in. It was really cool. Well, yeah, like after after the semis, I was just kind of looking at it and like I was saying to myself, you know, I just want to get a little bit of rest and then like I think I had a nap after a quick bite to eat, uh, and then I get back to paradise and I'm looking at the field and I'm like. I have to be a. I have to be locked for 15 games. It is not an easy field. Anyone that makes the 16s is deserving of being there, and you have to play every single game, every frame, or you're not going to do well. Yeah, mm-hmm. there, there's no sneaking into finals anymore. There's no sneaking into the Sundays at all, or your your final 16s, or for the other ones, the the final 32. There's nobody that just has like a, a great day and sneaks in. Like if you if you make it you're you're a good shooter for sure yeah. so yeah and, and like i'm lucky enough that i was able to win on my second attempt in the finals my first being the first year i was in calgary like two weeks after i moved to the city um i i made the 16s but i finished in 16 i was not prepared so i at least had you know a better idea of what to expect but i knew that like there was no way i was gonna be able to let up at all right like i i, I had to be locked i don't think Absolutely. there's a way to mentally prepare for that final 15 games until you've actually been through it like it, it it yes the games go extremely quick but there's something about that that extreme grind for 15 games knowing that you know every single ball of every single game might win those bonus 50 pins which might be the bit of the 50 pins that wins the whole thing for you down the road. It's until you actually play it and, and go through that grind, like there, there's nothing to prepare you for it. Yeah. So I, I, I think uh, the majority of players who, who make the 16s in the first year uh, probably finish in the bottom, you know, bottom five. Um, I know my first year, I think I finished 15th or something way back uh, in, in Toppler. And, um, yeah, it's pretty, pretty, uh, pretty incredible. And then you come back the next year, you, you, you can kind of figure out exactly, you know, how long it's going to take, you know, when to take your breaks, uh, make, make sure that you're, you're taking seats and, you know, doing the, 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 you know, hydration and, and get some food, et cetera, et cetera. It's, yeah. It's, it's pretty incredible. And then, yeah, from going from 16th to first your your next time is for pretty incredible feat. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was a 007 uh, shirt he wears now. I think that just makes more sense. <laughs> I have to be careful with those shirts now. I don't want to get trademark infringements. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Um, sorry, Brian. So you, when you came up to TPC, did you have an expectation to make the top 32? Or um, was it just kind of like showing up at any other tournament? You were just preparing mentally that way or were you preparing mentally as a, a past champion waiting for like because I'm sure you received congratulations when you showed up but yeah I certainly did and um, I would say that um, 
I didn't want to have ex expectations for myself. Like, don't get me wrong. I want to make the cut and I want to win. Everybody wants to win. But I certainly wasn't going to be disappointed if I didn't. I mean, um, I, I, I didn't want any congratulations any congratulations to throw me off i didn't want anyone to you know uh like say try to get into my head or make me feel out of place anything like that but um uh like the only i guess you could say like like i said i didn't have expectations but i certainly had goals my goal was to make a cut and i made the cut that was my first cut at tpc and the only cut i've ever made outside of the automobile so like Already this year, I feel like I'm hitting, uh, or I'm already leaps and bounds ahead of previous years that I've played the tour. Yeah, that, and hopefully that confidence just keeps building, right? Um, I'm hoping so. You definitely deserve to be making the cuts, so don't think it's a, a flash in the pan because uh, I'm sure everybody around you knows that you can play. So, uh, and I think the cool. uh, I think the hardest cut to make is the one after you win like yeah, guaranteed so you did that that's that's a that's a great step mm -hmm. absolutely yeah there's got to be a level of expectation after a big win that you know that's going to continue to carry through to your next tournament and of course that tournament was only you know a month away as well so you're, you're probably riding that high so it, it, it's it is tough to, to to walk into that next tournament and um be prepared for any type of failure early into your shift, right? Yeah. If, if you come out with a, a 210 or a grinding 210, it's like, oh, here we go type thing, right? So it's uh, it, it's always a mental battle, but uh, I think you're right, Dex. It's, it's really tough to, to make that next cut or or at least come out that next shift because yeah. at least on tour, you you, you have multiple shifts to, to make a cut. So that, that first shift uh, definitely, you know, hit or miss. Yeah hard not to focus on uh, results over execution for that yeah. first little bit. And certainly lots of pressure. Like you said, like with everyone that was watching or was there and congratulate, congratulating you about it, it's all the more eyes that are on you, right? Everyone that wasn't there, everyone that um, heard about it, everyone asking if it was you or whatever, like everyone's going to be watching you. Yeah. Whether they reveal themselves or not right no for sure yep. uh and obviously for good reason they obviously you were the latest champion they want to see what you're doing that maybe that they're missing or um yeah just kind of along those lines right yeah uh as i kind of always say bowlers are their own fans right um if Adams or Dexter's number one in the five pin universe rankings right now, he's going to have fans behind him, and they're usually the bowlers. You don't have uh, out of uh, you don't have somebody walking in off the street and recognizing us and becoming a fan instantly, right? It's all the bowlers yeah. fans first, and then outward family friends from there. Um. So I guess so we have some questions we might as well stick on top of you here brian before uh, we move on to our other topics so um if people don't know you're not originally from calgary you're from midland in ontario and uh you moved out here seven years ago you said yeah um if i remember correctly it was september of 2012 um 
middle of that month and like i said it was like two weeks before the automotive that year right um well thanks for coming out and joining the alberta <laughs> ranks because uh just another alberta champion um so who is your bowling mentor growing up oh bowling mentor growing up uh There's so many names that I'm thinking of right now. I mean, uh, in YBC, I, I tried to compete with Mitch a little bit. Uh, obviously, I didn't do very well. I didn't know what I know now what I did back then, of course. Um, um, I had a, a lesser-known um, coach with me, uh, Lino Tasca. He grew up through the YBC system in late 60s early 70s and he's uh, still going strong out of our zone Huronia um, he has a, a wealth of knowledge about the game and uh, like he, he certainly got me on my way um, um, but like as for big names I like I just keep on hearing the stories about you know Frazier um, uh, in our zone we had a guy uh passed away now i'm trying to remember his name uh al snow uh, <laughs> you know like uh the stories go back to like bill holt i think his name was um ian cameron uh jim head with his perfect game now right uh like when i first started getting into competitive bowling uh like my friend matt and lino they said watch watch how he bowls and it's just phenomenal so, like, I, I certainly had a lot of people to watch and a lot of stories to hear about, like, what they did and if it could help me, right? So Right. And then, so when you moved out to Calgary, was there anybody that kind of took you under their wing to help you out? Or was it kind of you jumped into a league and started playing on your own kind of thing? Actually, interesting story about that. It was, um, uh, like I said, probably – Two, two weeks after I moved that the autumn open was uh, before we moved I, I one of the first things that I did was look at where the closest bowling alley was it was Paradise Lanes um, two days after we moved I, I went I went down and uh, wanted to check the place out they had their YBC on uh, I saw a few bowlers that um, you might recognize um, Ian Howe he was bowling him and uh, mm -hmm. Jaden were still in YBC I pointed at them and I said like these guys have a form that can, you know, do wonders on the lanes. And, uh, yeah, the next day I went bowling myself. I think Ian, Jaden, and Mark Miller were working. And I threw five games with uh, my girlfriend there, Tara. And uh, uh, before the end, uh, Mark actually came over and was like, uh, you, uh, you know how to bowl, don't you? And I was like, yeah, I actually just moved into the city. He's like, okay, well... Uh, if you want to join our uh, Monday night league, uh, we'd be happy to have you. Just uh, let us know. I was a little tight for money at the time, though. But right. uh, I ended up getting in. Uh, Greg, the owner, said that he could um, kind of spot me if I spare for him for the last half of the season. He had um, some prior engagements, I believe. So uh, I was able to get into a league fairly early, get to know some of the Monday night bowlers. Um, other than that, yeah, after after I was able to get on my feet, I just started joining leagues. And, yeah, that's how I kind of 
wedged myself into the Calgary bowling scene. Uh, pretty cool story. Yeah, uh, that's awesome. No, it's pretty good, Brian. Um, so what's your favorite tournament? It's got to be uh, the Autumn Open. It's um, I, I have to be biased about it. It's the, it's the one in the hometown now. It's um, I, I love the format. I love the... Um, I love the, uh, like, after qualifying shifts, you have top 40 battling it out for another eight. I love going into the finals. It's a 15-game grind. Um, What I felt this year was that with the round-robin format, you play a game, you can reset. Whether you win or lost, you're at it again. You know, you, you shouldn't have be dwelling on past feelings of what happened. It's just one and done, move on to the next. Yeah, very true. No, for sure. Um, it's, but I, I find that the autumn open, you can have that mediocre two hundred game. Like you said, you have to be um, engaged the whole time, but you can still have a rough game and still bounce mm-hmm. back, right? Sometimes grinding out those two team games and you can get a fifty point win out of that. That's huge, yeah. right? Well, yeah, that what two fifteen is then two fifty five, right? It it makes all the difference. Two sixty five, but math is hard. Yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> I, off, I don't have to think. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> no, for sure. I uh, totally agree with you there. Um, so it doesn't have to be from the Autumn Open. It can be from your whole bowling career. But what's your toughest match or your most memorable match? <sighs> most memorable match? Um Well, I don't think I have one. I, I know that uh, the first year I made the Open out here in Alberta, um, my rookie year, I, uh, I was put on the anchor a uh, fair few games, and I was actually against Brett Mapstone a lot. And we had, um, I think he ended up taking probably three out of the five matches at least. But I know that we had a couple close ones where it came down to the last ball in 10. Those ones really stuck with me because, like, every time I watch him throw it, like we all know that he has a quick approach and a, a, a hard throw, but like he throws bombs, he throws laser beams. He uh, he's always one to watch out for, right? So that for some reason that one always stuck stuck with me, right? Yeah, for sure. Brett can definitely uh, throw a lot of strikes in a row, and it happens fast. Sometimes you don't yeah. even notice him on the approach, and he's gone, right? Yeah. Um. So what's all in your bowling arsenal? Uh, to be honest, not much. Um, I have only two sets. One is a uh, set of black and cream soft rolls. Uh, they're uh, four seven eights, three tens. I was using them at TPC. And what I used for most of the autumn open was my five inch cyclones at uh, three pounds, eight ounces. So I was getting a little bit more deflection at Paradise, and uh, it wasn't quite doing the same at Sherwood. So um, I, I wasn't throwing bad with the Cyclones at TPC, but I was certainly throwing better with the soft rolls. That's what it's about. Yeah. That's why... Wait, there's, um, there, there's options? No, no, Adam is... <laughs> Only blue star lines. That's all there is in this game. Oh, okay. Okay, I'm good then. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what's on your bucket list, Brian? Uh, what's What's the next thing you want to accomplish? Um, I 
Well, I haven't won uh, Masters or um, any Open medals. That's certainly up there. Um, I've always been a very consistent bowler, so I don't always throw like the a lot of the three fifty plus games. Uh, but like I normally like I'll normally throw like two sixty average, but I won't go over like a three twenty. I won't go under two twenty kind of thing, right? So yeah. Um, uh, so certainly a four fifties up there. I haven't got one of those. My highest being, um, let's see, four twenty five in practice and like maybe four eighteen in league. Um, but yeah, definitely a medal at the national level is probably pretty high up for me. Uh, well, it's kind of interesting that you mentioned like four fifty is definitely on your bucket list. As we know, perfect games don't come around very often for a lot of people, and Adam, it took him quite a few years. And as we've seen this past week, Jim Head just accomplished that feat. And he is clearly going to be a Hall of Famer, a legend in the sport. And uh, for him just to reach that feat, um, yeah, it's definitely something that everybody should have on their bucket list. Yeah. Um, So kind of a question we always ask our guests is, is there anything you see in the sport that could be improved or any suggestions as to how we can improve it? Um, off the top of my head, not really. Uh, just because like with what I've seen over playing these tournaments the last couple of years is that things are definitely improving based on, you know, uh, the cash tournaments coming around. Um, I've been seeing a few more numbers with the open and masters like across the board for men and ladies. So, I mean, I think that the changes that have already been made are making a positive impact. Um, I've always been a bowler that is more calm. Uh, so like, don't get me wrong. I, I understand when people get aggressive or animated on lanes, but like, I wouldn't want people to change that so that they're more calm. Don't get me wrong. It helps me, but it might not help everyone. Um, just uh, like I said, from things that I've seen, right. I, I, I'm not a big fan of when people get animated, I guess, but like I said, that's me and what they do works for them. So. Yeah, for sure. Well, actually, I have a question for Brian. Um, not many people know this, but uh, Brian is diabetic, and over the autumn open, he had a really had a match himself, and uh, maybe a little bit better nowadays than he used to be, from my understanding through Mark. Um, so, yeah. how are how are you better overcoming that, or somebody who has diabetic is diabetic out there, or or has other ailments? How did you overcome that? Well, it, it's certainly hard to um, overcome. I I have to kind of plan. Um, like eating around uh, uh, bowling uh, because like if my sugar goes too low, I start getting shaky. I start kind of um, uh, not thinking straight. Uh, like I'll, I'll, I think I'll be bowling okay, but I won't be feeling low at the time kind of thing, but I actually am. So it, it, it's a bit of a delayed feeling. Uh, so I certainly need to keep track of my blood sugar going through the entire day and uh, eat when I have to. I can't, uh, I don't like to indulge myself in like the fun events for drinking a lot. I do sometimes, but I mean, it's certainly not great for my health, but it hasn't negatively affected me too much, or at least 
as much as I want to say on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's certainly yeah. fair enough. Yeah. Um, but for other people um, with uh, similar ailments, they uh, like it, it's certainly a lot of trial and error. Um, there are still nights that I'll go to league, and I think I'll have it planned out, playing three or four games, and then I'll still have either a really high blood sugar at the end of the night, or it'll dip into low because like it, there's no actual measurement for the exercise that you do to account for the insulin that you're taking, right? It's, I don't think they've quite figured that out yet. It, like I said, it's, it's a lot of trial and error. And just knowing your body. Yes, exactly. So like looking at an eight game qualifier, I can say that I want my blood sugar to be between probably 10 and 11, and that might get me through the entire tournament or depending if I throw a couple high games and my uh, adrenaline goes up, I could be down to a three by game or like a blood sugar level of three by game four or five. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Derek Gall is also diabetic, and I think he, he probably doesn't watch his levels as much as he should. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> but it's Listen definitely... Brian, Derek. Yeah, it's... Definitely interesting to hear um, from your side of things as a diabetic having to watch your blood sugar levels. But I think that goes for even people that aren't diabetic. They're running out of gas. They run out of energy. you got to be managing your um, your health levels to pull through a day of 30 games or so, right? Yeah. Yeah, it, it's so important to eat. And sometimes, well, sometimes that takes losing to learn that. But yeah, your, your nutri nutrition throughout the day is like vitally important. Yeah, yeah I know in previous uh, tournaments, I would, um, I would actually try to not eat throughout the tournament because I didn't want to get something on my hand or I didn't want my stomach to feel heavier or something like that. Right? It's it, like I might have been a little bit superstitious, but I, I certainly understand that nutrition and hydration through the tournament are pretty important. Um, with you saying that, I was always kind of one of those people, especially right before bowling, I never liked eating because that full feeling. Or even um, back when I played a lot of ball, usually you ate two or three hours before you would even hit the field to get rid of that full feeling and hopefully have your full energy levels by the time you got out on the field. Yeah. Yeah, so it's definitely a balancing act, that's for sure. I feel like bowling is a game that you could you can eat a little bit easier than ball though. There's not a lot of running. I mean if if you're there should be no running. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, realistically, I don't know. I've I've never personally had any issues since I decided that, you know what, I better I better eat while I bowl just to make sure. Um, if I'm getting hungry, I eat. Because I've been there where I didn't, you know, I, I woke up, I had breakfast. And then I didn't eat for, you know, in Scottsdale that one year, I, I was running both sides, and I think I was into the final fours on both sides, and I hadn't eaten in seven, eight, nine hours, and then my body just like, nope, you're done. That's that. So it's, I don't know. I, I, I totally understand what you're saying, Carrie, but I think, I think, I think bowling is something that we can handle a little bit. I disagree. I, I, you look at Adam. Adam doesn't eat before he bowls. 
Really? Not very, not very often. No, I, I, I only eat before masters because you want to get the beer in, right? I mean, <laughs> so, don't you feel right? like super shitty at some point? I do. I feel absolutely terrible. I, I don't like eating when I bowl. I, I have, I just drink, water or or Gatorade, and and you know maybe some beer. But I just I don't like having that full feeling in me. I yeah, it just makes me know. it makes me bloated. All I know is that if I if I do that if I do that all day I will get the shakes and then I will be awful. Yeah, I kind of ran into that a couple of years ago at TPC as well. Like, you know, make make final fours and bolt, and you kind of feel everything fading. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think I was trying like the you know Dr Pepper to kind of keep that adrenaline kind of running, the sugars running. Um, but I, I definitely didn't drink nearly enough water either. Right, so the pe- people, the, even if they're they're drinking beer or do whatever, but make make sure you're you're keeping hydrated with lots of water as well. Um, I, I honestly, I, I think j- just having a couple like granola bars or something throughout, right? Yeah. J- just something to, in your body it doesn't have to be big, doesn't have to be heavy. Exactly. I, I absolutely hate that feeling. So yeah, I'm the same way. I'll I'll probably I may not even eat uh, before like a 9 a.m. shift or. A 10 a.m. shift and uh, you know wait till 6 7 p.m. and actually have a meal but may- maybe have a granola bar or two throat but yeah, yeah. I-, I hate that feeling yeah when I'm saying eating I-, I don't mean you have to have a full meal for sure I think you're absolutely right on the granola bars at least get something into you it doesn't it doesn't feel like it's a lot but it's some sort of substance for your body you're putting it through a grind man yeah. People may not think it, but a bowling can absolutely be a sport. And here we are, like you know, thirty games later. You know, I don't know. It's uh, you, you got to treat it right. You can't not eat, but you don't want to just eat everything either, right? You don't have to eat every other game. You don't have to have a what like a steak dinner in the middle or anything. It's just yeah. something in your body to keep you comfortable. Yep. Oh, I find sure. it weird when people are ordering like big meals, like game two. <laughs> like, I, how are you doing this? I, I, I don't know. So Brian, Brian, make, don't, don't make the cut. Yeah. <laughs> well, most of the time, you're right. They're, yeah. they're, they're there to support and have a good time and, you know, try to get better and stuff like that. I, I just don't yeah. know how they do it. They, they, they don't bring granola bars in their bag and screw over the proprietors. So I, I'm absolutely all for that. <laughs> Hey, if you guys ever sold anything not deep fried, people we might do. end up. We buying. do. We, we sell lots of things aren't deep fried. Chips and chocolate bars. <laughs> Much better. Beef jerky, rice crispy square. We've got sandwiches. We've got wraps. Sandwiches stay stay like airborne, or what? they say they they go on plates. <laughs> do you, do you, do you oh. Do you toss them at your customers' decks? Or? I've never thrown one at a customer ever. <laughs> but the next if, time you come in, it might be the first. That's about <laughs> t- tomorrow. I'm, I'm going to throw my first uh, balls in like two months tomorrow after after work. I think I'll drop in. What time? I don't know. Hey, we're not we're not planning out schedules right now. No, Let's move exactly. on with the podcast. <laughs> Hey, Brian, I, I got a question for you. Is, is one, one of the few that have been on this podcast that have played in multiple provinces, uh, especially Ontario and Alberta, um, what are some of the, the differences, you know, positive, negative, but between the, the experiences? Um, 
Well, what I like about um, uh, Alberta is for the Open, there's not as many zones. I understand why in Southern Ontario, why there is. I mean, you have to have, uh, you know, what are they at now? 12 different zones competing at the Open, whereas I competed when it's upwards of much as 16 for YBC anyways. Um, that was That was always fun. Um, like I said, I wasn't a fan of that, but like, uh, I did like that in Ontario, it was a round robin format. Uh, whereas here you have like five games, uh, or yeah, five games against each other in the open. Um, so yeah, no, the zoning systems are definitely, uh, interesting between the two provinces. Um. Uh, as is with anywhere, it's distance between each place. Um, I, I've traveled six hours uh, from Midland to Ottawa for Masters and YBC and you name it, whereas I've traveled um, uh, upward up to Grand Prairie uh, for the Open this year. You know, that's not a, that's not a short trip. Uh, and, and you hear about it for people that are even further north, right? So, I mean, uh, yeah, that that's all I can really think of, like, for similar similarities and differences. Uh, but, like, I mean, it's, it seems the same as anywhere. Um, I, I think from where I grew up specifically, there was a lot smaller houses. Uh, the biggest house in Zone H being... I'm trying to think now, maybe 18 lanes. Whereas what Paradise is 18, Toppler 16, Chinook's 24, Bonnie Dunes 48, you got another 16 at Sherwood. Um, so I think in the smaller communities, you know, you have those smaller houses, which I mean are either good or bad. Um, one that comes to mind was uh, Elmville, Springville, or I remember their name now, but uh, yeah, the house in Elmville. <laughs> They're a small six-lane house, and the like. It looked good; it was nice and bright. But you hear a ball hit the lane, and it just echoed for forever, right? So you can hear everything going on when someone's bowling. Which Ooh. which uh, which open do you prefer better? Did you did you prefer playing the open out there, or do you prefer playing the open out here? Hmm. Let's see. I don't want to offend anyone on either side, or do I? Um, no, no, it's a per personal preference, right? Yeah, I know, right? No, uh, no I guess. Uh, let's see. I, I, I think I do prefer the um, the Alberta Open. Um, like I said, uh, I do enjoy the Ontario Four, like the round robin format, but those five five game matches against each other's zone are really interesting right you do get a lot of um rivalries going on yeah yeah you got lots of time or so you know somebody says something wrong or or does something stupid in game two well you're facing them three more times so you got to be careful of those things in uh, in alberta for sure you don't want to yeah. say the wrong thing to the wrong person too early and motivate people yeah i was gonna say didn't uh didn't ian howe say something to you uh at this last provincial open there decks at the end there he may have 
Yeah. <laughs> Did he get under your skin a little bit, or? Uh, no, not really. But it, it's it's things like that that you just kind of put in the memory bank. And he, he's yeah. young. He's young. And yeah, he's know, he's a, a really kid. He's, he's a, a really good kid. kid. Yeah. 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 That was at TBC, yeah. wasn't it? No, that was at uh, that. It started <laughs> at the said, open. Oh, yeah. It started. Right. Okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he, he's a he's a really good kid, and I know he means nothing by it. So I was no, never. He looks up to you, right? So. Yeah, I was I was never offended. But there's things. Uh, the first the first two matches we faced, I faced him at the open, and I lost. But I didn't even realize that, truthfully. And then uh, going into the third time, he's like, "Hey, I'm two and zero against you." And I was like, "Oh." I didn't even realize that, but that okay, that that's good to know. And then go. prom- promptly lost to him again, so uh, <laughs> that that was good. But then at at TPC this year, he uh, uh, we had a good little chat before before our match, and I was like, "Hey man, like he's like, how's it going?" I'm like, "Good, you know, bowling's going good. The longer I bowl, the less I have to work this weekend." <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, that's good motivation." Is like my motivation is to keep my record against you. <laughs> mm. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, okay, <laughs> and that and that was pretty much it. And then honestly, he like he, I know he meant nothing by it. I was never offended. I took it the way it was supposed to be. He apologized to me, like three minutes later. He was like, I I didn't mean for that to come out bad. I'm like, no, I, that that's that's all good. No, it means it all in good fun, right? Like. And then I hey. shot 370 at him. <laughs> <laughs> Moral of the story. <laughs> Don't motivate others. Yeah. That kind yeah. of just goes to touch on the whole open thing. Like, Dexter, you didn't even realize you were 0-2 against a certain player, probably because you were thinking a little bit more about the team side of it. 100%. And then it comes down that there's an individual that almost calls you out that's a little motivating, right? You. Yeah. It changes your... Uh, your outlook on what was going on. But I tell you what, there was one I have all my coaches are dicks. And when it comes to the open, they know I can't be <laughs> one individual. And and they find it really amusing that I have to play him every time to lose. And that's Jerry Kind. I can't <laughs> I'm Owen I'm Owen nine against him and all I remember was Len put me against him. He's like, I know you can't win, but this is funny. So <laughs> do it for the joke. Yeah, oh, it was brutal. Yeah, I lost another game. Yeah, no big deal. <laughs> that was funny. Yeah, no, I, I honestly, I really like Ian. He's a really good kid. He's got, he's got a ton of talent, an yeah. absolute ton of talent, and he's gonna go absolutely far in this game. It was just, it was just funny. And those are, those are small like little things that you learn throughout time. Where you're just like, uh, maybe I just won't say that. <laughs> kind of always the running joke was he never tried to get Gino mad, right? When yeah, Gino was mad back in the oh, day, yeah. he he was unreal, right? And uh, yeah. so yeah, that was always kind of thing. The coaches were like, "Well, don't piss him off because you don't want him coming back in the next three games to crush you, right?" Exactly. Everybody out there wants to win, right? And everybody's already motivated because they want to win, but you don't want to give them extra motivation. Just yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. So I guess we'll move to Dexter's rulebook corner here. I uh I should have gave you a heads up, but I 
kind of find this funny. You chose not to. You just said, <laughs> I'm not going to give you a heads up. So let's hear this. <laughs> is it legal or illegal for a bowler to use, let's say, a bowling glove or, or not a bowling glove, a golf glove or a baseball glove or something to deliver the ball with? Um, from it, my understanding, it is illegal. Unless there's a medical exemption, I think. Yeah. So that's one difference between 10-pin and 5-pin, because Pete Weber can use a golf glove to deliver a 10-pin bowling ball. Yeah, yeah. But his, fin his fingers are in three holes. Mm -hmm. Right? You're right? You, you, they're looking for, like, I don't know. If, if I'm wearing a rubber glove, it's, it's going to, like, first of all, it's going to break after a while if you're using your fingers properly. Right? Um, I, I just... It'd be just weird. I don't know. Like, it, it, is some, it is it really that much difference than using a rosin bag? Uh, well, rosin bag has illegal substance on the ball. That's another story we can talk about. <laughs> um, but here nor there, I, I, if me personally, like, I know it's a rule. If you want to wear a glove and try to beat me, all the power to you, buddy. Like, yeah, you have to be that I mean, way. Like, I, <laughs> if you have to be that way, whatever. Like, cool. All right. I, I could if, understand seniors seniors wanting to 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 have that that option though, right? To to be able to hold on to a ball or something a little bit better. Yeah, I think that's what it's meant. Like, because a golf glove has extra grip, as everybody knows, so you can hold on to a golf club better. So I think that's kind of the idea behind it. It was just a question yeah. that was brought up. Might as well just pine tar your bowling ball. Fuck six. <laughs> <laughs> We're throwing the swear jar right out this week, people. <laughs> oh, we stumped Dexter here, man. Well, uh, no, I, I just have I have to read I have to read through it. Um, okay. A lot of it, a lot of the mechanical aids portion has to do with like prosthetics, right? Uh, and and stuff to do with that. Um. Okay, well, you're looking for that. We'll go around. We know Tim's well, okay. Tim's thought on it. What's uh, everybody else's <laughs> thought on it? If if you are wanting to use a mechanical device in a sanctioned tournament um, or league, you have to get permission by the board of directors or the provincial five pin association um, or tournaments or whatnot. Anyways, would you um, would you call a golf glove a mechanical aid though? I wouldn't. Um, well, okay. It, it, so it, the and 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 I, it says the board of directors shall take into considering the following, and the very first point of it is whether the device affects the person's manual control, delivery, and release of the ball itself, including whether the device affects the direction, velocity, or spin, which imparts an unfair advantage to said person. And I okay. think that that falls directly under their media. Yep. So, so people spraying stickum onto their fingers, would you consider that a device that changes rotation yes. on the bowling ball? Yeah. So a rosin yes. bag splashed onto your hand, would you consider that a device that changes the rotation on the bowling ball? 100%. You could say that, you about, you could that, you could say that about water, though, right? That, Adam, Adam, just because you're a cheater, Adam, just because you're a cheater. I don't use a rosin <laughs> bag. Doesn't mean Oh, you, you blew a puffball. Yeah, that's not a rosin bag. <laughs> it's it the same it, shit. It, no, it doesn't. A rosin bag gives you grip. That's that's the whole nature of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, puff, so, puff, puff so does stick them, though. Your hands. 
That's all it is. But so does stick. Because right? you're trying, so you're trying to put a foreign substance on your hand and your balls just to make sure your hand doesn't get sweaty. Sure. Right. And water okay, would be the go. same situation though. It's 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 the yeah. flip, flip side. So, so one oh. is a glove and one is a foreign substance, and they are they are different. They're under different rules under it as well. So, I I, I think, but I mean. The foreign substance is that, uh, well, you, actually, you can't, you can't use it. You're not supposed to be using stickum. So, so, Adam, um, a, a participant Adam, shall not be use a foreign substance on his or her hands, fingers, or bowling balls to aid his grip. When a tournament official has ruled that said foreign substance, well, actually, no, I guess it's uh, a substance is affecting the bowling ability of other participants who have previously lodged a legitimate complaint. Right, well, so the foreign substance gonna... not affecting anybody else because the bowling ball is probably your own. Yeah, if it's house balls, a different. Yes, story, unless it's yes. unless it's rubbing off onto someone else's bowling balls or getting onto the lanes, because you know if it's yeah. I tell you, I tell you a story. Hmm. One of my seniors, they're into the glycerin, like rose water stuff, and they they they, they lather their hands up right with it to make them sticky, right? Now, do I really care? No. Whatever, whatever floats your boat, right? Do we have a, most of them have their own personal bowling balls. One day, I'm not lying to you, I picked it up from it was causing ball jams because it was like slathered on so bad, oh. and it was just it was just like doing like this, right? We had to pull off uh, every house ball off that rack yeah. because they were all so fit, like covered in the stuff that it wouldn't slide up the ramp. It wouldn't slide up the ramp. So, fast forward to last Tuesday night, they always have it in. Glass cleaner. This is a funny story. Glass cleaner, and one of my staff members was trying to wash his glasses with his glass cleaner, and he kept on getting foggier and foggier. I was like, I knew it was the rose water glycerin, and he's like, dude, this this is the worst glass cleaner I've ever had. I was like, well, don't no, just keep on doing it. Just I really had to work it in, and he spent about 15 minutes cleaning his glasses. He didn't understand it wasn't glass cleaner. So, <laughs> um, but in that case, though, you it. You have to call it. I mean, you have to tell them. Yeah, because it's obviously affecting other bowlers. Yeah. Um. So yeah, well, I guess that's that's interesting. That a foreign substance like a puffball, a rosin bag, or that spray stick, um, really doesn't affect anybody else, and it's not technically a mechanical device that changes rotation on a bowling ball. So would you consider those perfectly legal? I, I honestly I wouldn't call it. I wouldn't I'd be okay with I, it. I don't you know, care if you wouldn't call it, but do you think yeah. it's legal? Based on what I can see here, as long as you're respectful of the other bowlers, yes. It sounds legal. Yeah. Now remember remember Carrie when we we're in I'm not gonna pull up names twenty fourteen Winnipeg Nationals and somebody decided to chop the hell out of his shoe and that Well that changes enough. everybody else. Right, and so that's a, that's that's a different thing with a different substance and a different aspect with that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, but I yeah. do know some players that use stickum spray on their fingers. Yeah, and obviously Adam uses a puff ball. I've seen rosin bags out there. I was just wondering because somebody had asked about a golf glove. If if those items aren't allowed, would a golf glove be acceptable? But according to kind of what Dexter read, because it's a a device that changes yeah. possibly changes the rotation of the bowling ball i don't know if that would be legal or not no somebody i know in the past not through the a5 but i've known somebody in the past that's written in because of a medical issue with a, with his hand that he had to write in and it was 
and they they permitted him to wear he wanted to wear a rubber glove so he wore a rubber glove with it and i think that was one of our senior events for the canada games right uh, that was and, and he accepted it and i understood that one I mean, yeah if you can and that's that's under the points under the points there as well with like talking to the provincial boards and whatnot um so there you go yeah if you want to use a glove email tim that's right and depending who you are, I may laugh personally, but I'll respond professionally. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there was a kind of a, on the topic of Jim Head's first perfect game of his career, there was a question brought up. When somebody is on a perfect game, let's say going into ninth and 10th frame, do you, what is your stance on people bowling around you, especially in a league atmosphere, even a tournament atmosphere, stopping and watching you finish play or if they should be continuously playing beside you just like they were for the first eight frames? I think you play normal. I think you play as casual as it is because 99% of that time, that player has never been through that some, most times or... or Right, so you kind of want to make sure that's normal as normal as sorry as normal as it is for them. Um, they're already feeling the pressure; they're already feeling the adrenaline. You might as well make it seem okay, right? Um, I've seen things when people just stop and watch, and it makes it a little bit more awkward. But um, I, I've been fortunate enough to be on a few nine rows, never been able to throw a perfect game. Uh, but. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a little bit weird. It's a little bit weird when everybody starts watching. I guess we, we if you're in, a, in our big cash league when we had on Wednesday or in a big event like the uh, the Open when Adam threw his perfect game, I didn't even know Adam threw his perfect game. I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't even know until somebody started screaming. I I really could have cared less, right? But um, but it was just kind of you played normal, and then it's probably going to help them out in the long run. And I think this is why I must be your favorite Wiseman, Adam. <laughs> Because I was the opposite. I was standing right behind you. Right behind. But I'm still. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in all your friggin' pictures. My bald head. <laughs> uh, um, I agree with Tim. Keep just keep bowling. Try to act as normal as possible. Um, I, you know, even more so than like the continual bowling, it's just noise. Like you know, you go from like a noisy environment the entire time to all of a sudden dead silence. It's just the silence is just so unnerving when it wasn't there before just keep talking keep doing things don't run around the bowling alley trying to go watch somebody throw the perfect game just you, you'll be able to watch it online again later now like almost guaranteed so just go about your business you know i think personally i think that gives him the best opportunity of or him her whoever of succeeding have you noticed on some of the videos recently that it always seems to be music playing on all those perfect games? There's been a bunch of them lately. So I don't know. I, I, I agree with you guys completely as long as I'm not on the exact lane next to the bowler. And then at that point, I'm kind of playing at whatever pace they want to play. right? If, if they want me to go throw, and they, I, I'm waiting kind of for their cue for you certainly don't want to jump their queue and then you know force them back. Uh, but if you're beyond that, I think you just keep playing as normal and just keep the same same type of flow. Don't uh, don't mess up their flow. Brian, what are your thoughts? 
Uh, actually, mine were going to be fairly similar to Adam's. It's um, I was going to say let them keep the rhythm right. You don't want to throw off their thought process or their their setup game. Their uh, uh, everything that's already going through their head is weighing down on them, right? You want whoever's going to go for that perfect game to be as comfortable as possible. Um, yeah, as I've been lucky enough to be on all sides of that, um, I never noticed people stop when I was, when I threw my first two perfect games during tournaments. I don't know if anybody did stop, um, but I know when I threw it at Bonnie Dune for the Wednesday Night League, there was people that had stopped and come over and are watching behind. But if you're in the moment, I don't know if you really notice it. The The people bowling, watching you doing it, and seeing people stop probably draw more attention to it by telling them to keep bowling or stopping themselves. They probably draw more attention to it than the actual bowler themselves. That's my kind of my thought. To, I've never noticed it, so... To be honest, you know what I actually notice more? I think watching now that everybody live streams this stuff is the cameras that come out. Mm. And they're right behind you. Like, they're right behind you. Like, I, I've i been on it, so I think maybe since I got my 448 in 2014, I've probably been on nine, eight or nine, nine, nine in a row from the gun. And, you know, most times I didn't notice it, but now as the time gets closer, if I have that opportunity, I see more of the cameras. I remember two Your years ago. Your focus is just, horrible. You know, <laughs> terrible, terrible. Ter- I'm like a little kid, man. Anyway, so <laughs> I remember that I'm just trying to keep in the same moment. I was playing the 40s down in Calgary, nine in a row from the gun, right? So I'm just on my phone, same same routine, just you know, just checking my fantasy football because fantasy football's on, and all of a sudden, I got this notification. WCBT is going live. <laughs> I look around and there's John Phelps. I'm like, shit, shit, shit. Threw my phone down. I was like, had nothing to do with the punch, but it's just like, you know, it's there, right? They try to keep in the same rhythm. So that's what I've noticed lately more than anything. I guess that kind of brings up another question too. How do you guys feel about people being on media devices in the middle of a tournament in the pit when you're playing a match against them do you um i wouldn't say disrespectful or do you feel like they're trying to pull themselves out of the moment out of the match and distracting themselves like dexter's a prime example he'll walk around 16 days but he's always on time but he's never around during the match do you Uh, do you feel that media devices have a have a spot in the pit during matches or do you do you have depends. any thought on it i think it depends i think individual matches i'm i'm perfectly okay with it because you're by yourself i i i look at my phone well far less than i do on those events than if i'm playing league because my, my 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 four other teammates on thursday are quite boring so <laughs> but 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 on but on like if I'm playing, especially a team event, that phone's in the bag. Yes. If I want to check it after bowling, I'll check it after bowling. Like I'm there to play for the team. I'm that's that's what my thing is, right? So, yeah. and it, I think the more that I'm in like in the zone or or in the moment, I'm not I'm on my phone less because it just becomes natural. You kind of don't want to break that 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 feeling, right? So I I'm okay with it. It doesn't really bother me. Same thing with the yeah. glove. If you want to do it, all the power to you. 
right? But I, I think as long as you're ready to play and you're not messing up everybody else's timing, I'm okay with it. I'm sort of the same way too. Um, the team, the team bowling might be the only time in your life that you actually put your phone down. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no team events. The, the phone should not exist at all. That that's got to go away for sure. In the individual events, I I couldn't care less. But I mean, I'd be biased if I said. I mean, I am biased. I I do it all the time. If I'm not chatting with somebody, I'm chatting with somebody somewhere else because. I just can't sit there and think about bowling all, all the time. It's just, it's just not who I am. Um, so, or, you know, I, the, the year we won, I won the, um, the invitational, uh, I was online shopping at my finals. <laughs> I'm not, not even joking. I bought my smart blinds in the finals of that invitational. I was like, Oh, I made some money. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah. 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 So I don't know. It's just, it's all depends on what your own like personal preferences are and, and what um, what your mental game entails. But for me, I, that's it's just it's just who I am. And if somebody else was doing it, I, I would never find it disrespectful. I don't know if it's one on one, they're up there throwing balls. I don't give a crap what like what somebody else is doing behind them. Yeah. As long as it's not distracting to you, right? I mean, like let's let the individuals do what they need to to keep their composure in the lane whether they're doing good or doing bad you know like like i've said before right keep your rhythm if your rhythm needs you to go back to your phone and check scores or send messages or online shopping then go for it in an individual match but definitely for team matches keep it with the team and keep that team uh click going together right I'm if someone broke win. their phone out during during a team event, I'd probably like kick them square in the nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, <laughs> I heard you uh, won a bet, Dex. I did. I won a bet, and th this person is more likely to man up than Tim. So, uh, yeah, uh, don't bet against my dolphins. They're they're giant slayers. I mean, I wouldn't call the Eagles giants by any stretch of the means. <laughs> But they're sure as hell better than my Dolphins. And uh, one individual, Ryan O'Callaghan, was pretty confident his Eagles were going to beat my Dolphins. And now if you're not going to Regina, you probably should because that'll be the last time Ryan owns a pair of testicles. <laughs> Do you already have your boots picked out? Oh, uh, man, I've been going to the gym. I've just been ho hooking my leg to the cable machine and just going through a kicking routine for about an hour at a time. So... <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna find them in his throat. <laughs> um, maybe, yeah. maybe that'll be a good live stream. Um, WCVT goes live right after. Oh, right at the end of our live podcast. Yeah, Five Pin Universe might have to put it up on the live stream uh, for patrons only. So, uh, if you guys are looking to watch, you have to subscribe. <laughs> We, we tried that with Tim's and that never happened. Let's just uh, make this one public. Yeah, you need to have balls for them to be kicked, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, going back to the phones in the pit thing. So I'm going to play devil's advocate on this. I, I personally don't care, but I just want to put a stance to it. So there's been a lot of talk that um, social media is an addiction. So if 
that's a that's a situation like you wouldn't allow somebody to um i guess that's that's a little bit of a stretch but do you feel that having somebody being distracted the whole time i think it's bad for audiences if people are there watching you're trying to grow the sport and you have a match going on let's say in the 16s of the autumn open and somebody is literally looking away l- scrolling through their phone not paying attention to their match at all do you think that loses a little bit for the audience or do you feel okay, it so, just doesn't uh, matter to, to two parts to this i guess one um you're probably not wrong it probably looks terrible but um it's not it's not being done i i, I don't think i've seen anybody do it and i sure haven't done it on tour finals um i think that's a whole different sort of ball game where uh, you don't need to be sitting there scrolling through that during that but i mean on on the live stream for a tour or for like uh for like tbc or something like that if that is happening i'm i'm not even anywhere close to being in the video to do that i'm sitting i'm sitting off at the back away from everything anyways um i think you need to be semi-aware of most of it but um as for like the the your starting of the addiction yeah, I, mean, I was gonna stretch that a little too far. I I don't think I could. You know what? Substantiated if we're that. if we're allowed to drink, <laughs> we're allowed to be on social media. Yeah. I yeah, that's that's gonna be shut down real quick. Yeah, I was I was, I was gonna try and stretch that to something a little bit far, and I, it wouldn't hold any water. So never mind on that. <laughs> like I said, oh, playing yeah. devil's advocate, I can't even back up my own stance. So. <laughs> hey, good luck trying to keep people disconnected for seven hours in a TPC shift. I do. Right. My phone yeah, goes I, away. I'm, I'm rarely on it, but... Carrie Reese hides out in the room. <laughs> well, not during my shift. And, and, yeah, no, between games, he hangs out in the room because it usually has like 15-minute gap in between next game. That's true. <laughs> and he's bitches, man, I suck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> well, and you're, you usually have a bunch of the other, you know, five from universe cameras and stuff that you're kind of checking on and stuff too. So yeah, I'm distracted they're, already. They're, they're, exactly. But it, and some people need distraction, right? Some people don't want it, but some people need it. it you can say the same thing about having TVs on uh, at, at the lanes themselves, yeah. right? You, yeah. you, you know, you take the social media aspect out, take those I, out. I, I know I get, I get distracted every Sunday of a tournament because we got I football. Love it. I'm I'm definitely more distracted. Do I love it? Yeah. Yes. Does my game suffer? Yes. Depends. Right? Depends. But, you know, honestly, one on one, I would rather have the TV on than on my phone because I'm I'm sitting there watching the TV, right? I'm paying attention to what he's doing, but it's just that calming, calming thing. I just watch the TV, not paying attention to anything else, right? It's it's more it's focus. Actually, I focus on that more than anything. Yeah, because I'm not paying attention to what he's doing, right? Yeah. The, the only big, yeah. uh, probably what I would classify the biggest problem with that, though, is uh, it, it, the distraction in general. I should say is uh, if if you're playing against an opponent and you're not watching that shot and you, they need a call, uh, it, you should be the one making that call for your opponent. Um, yeah, the, he, it's no different than me drinking. Yeah, but you're usually watching <laughs> something, right? At the same time, We're watching right? my glass. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but 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 as as an yeah. opponent in that match, you should be watching 
what's going on because you yeah. ultimately should be making that ruling. No, for sure. Um, unfortunately, yeah. I think yeah. that's the evolution. If we want to keep growing this sport, you're going to have to take away, unfortunately, maybe drinking on Sunday. I'd hate to say it, but <gasps> if you want the sport to grow and be recognized as an athletic sport and have fans watching and stuff like that, there's going to have to be stuff made or or you're going to have to have like you said individual judges for matches like they do for darts cuz obviously darts they allowed they're allowed to drink and stuff like that but they have individual judges watching it's not the other player making the call right so there's definitely growing that the sport would need to do to maybe make that next level of audience audience watching and stuff like that but that, that's a bit of a stretch though with darts though right that, that it, the outcome of your three darts are what it is right like there, there's not a whole lot of you know debate on on you know did did it go into the treble or did it did it not right it's I don't know. I, I think it's a bit of a stretch uh, in that fashion, but there's other sports that uh, that you're going to have that same issue. I, I definitely believe that, you know, especially in an individual match, you should be watching the outcome of your opponent's shot. I disagree. I don't I don't watch the outcome of my opponent's shot. I don't want to see what junk they get away with that pisses me off. So I feel that there should be judges a play or other people that are there for that um but i understand that there there is lots of sports that you do self-judge right so i think for tour wise besides maybe regina that's kind of where we're at you are self-judging everything there is no judges a play watching everything every shot or making calls right um like I said, it, there's needs to be growth in the sport, and there needs to be decisions made. Like, is it a self judge sport or is it a a judge a play sport? We, I don't think there's anybody that's actually said anything to decide that. C five has obviously, but until we get judges, you know, for for everything, which will likely never happen until you get into a a final four or beyond, right? It's. Yeah. Uh, it should be self-judged, but at the same time, you know, if a player's needs somebody to make a call and they're they're pointing, you know, hey, did anybody see that? And that you're not watching that as an opponent. I, I don't know. Unfortunately, it kind of puts that that player in a bad spot as well, right? Because now they they can't take, you know, a leaning strike. And obviously, we've talked about that before, but. <laughs> by the definition of the rule and by you know, the definition of what people are accepting as a leaning corner, right? If that's leaning in, in that fashion, I'm going to be looking for a call because others are getting away with it by the current rule, right? And if your opponent's not watching, well, you, you can't take it. But some people will try. And then you got another debate. Yeah, what I... What... I guess my train of thought on that was not so much in tournaments, but in like leagues and stuff like that. If nobody was watching by what the machine scored, the machine didn't score it. It didn't, didn't count unless you know, there's a problem like this machine notoriously doesn't count a corner down or something like that. Then obviously you got to make adjustments, but usually the machines are pretty accurate. Um, Yeah. I actually played a, a league back in Ontario that was strictly machine count. It was whatever was left on the deck, whatever the machine reset, you're playing that. There's no 
Judge a play. There's no asking if that fell. There's no score corrections. Whatever the machine resets, you shoot. Yeah, we actually played a, a league like that on Monday nights in Wetaskiwin. We called it Monday Night Rules. So it didn't matter. It didn't matter if you splashed the thing, but if a corner came back, you had to shoot it. Too bad. Yeah. If, if <laughs> pulls another string and the corner's still standing, but it counts a strike, you get the strike, right? Yeah, yeah that's what we played too. It was fun. Uh, obviously, you couldn't use that league for any other like POA terms or anything like that, but it was fun fun to play because you yeah. never knew. That notorious three pin that never goes down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was always the, the strikes that weren't actually. You'd leave a solid corner, but the string would pull far enough, <laughs> and then the computer would count it, so you just take it. Those were fun yeah. ones. Very <laughs> relaxing league. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that way they need to send a pin chaser to knock stupid pins down and all that, all that garbage. Um, yeah, so thanks very much, Brian, for coming on. I think we're going to wrap it up here. Not a problem. Thanks for having me. Um, everybody look forward to us releasing the podcast tomorrow. And, well, I guess you'll hear it. It's released. Uh, Adam, <laughs> Adam's Top 5 comes out tomorrow. How's that on Friday? So we'll get to see what else he comes up with. All yeah, not, not sure what it's going to be this week. I uh, might simplify it a, a little bit. Uh, yeah, causing some stirs this week. Don't, so Don't hurt any feelings. Yeah, apparently I, I hurt feelings. So, um, Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know what it is. So let, uh, you know, screw it. I'm going to hurt some more feelings this week. We're, we're, we, we, might, we might go. Uh, it'll be a fun topic, I promise. <laughs> Adam Cherry, Adam Cherry, Don Cherry, it's a little yeah, brother. Yeah. Hey. Did I get fired from from a free podcast? Nope, volunteer <laughs> position, tough one. Uh, no, that's what all this is about: is to stir up topics, stir up controversy, get get the people talking, especially Tim Wiseman. All right, talk to you guys later. <laughs> thanks, thanks, guys. Thanks, Brian. Yeah, not a problem. Thanks, guys.